Totally Lit, the podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host Kai, thank you for listening. I'm thrilled to be joined by author Marie Kimberly today. Marie very generously bid on a guest spot on Totally Lit to support the Lismore Flood Recovery Charity Auction. I was so pleased to be able to contribute a prize to support this initiative. All proceeds will go to the restoration of Lismore, to the libraries, galleries and other cultural and community groups who need our support. Later in the episode, I'm joined by the lovely Sunny Louise to chat about the auction and how Lismore has been affected by the floods. Marie Kimberley is the author of Dirt Circus League. Set in remote far north Queensland, Dirt Circus League is a genre-bending young adult novel about the powerful allure of danger and the battles we face with our demons in a world beyond our control. Marie was shortlisted in the 2021 Aurelius Awards for Best Young Adult Novel and also was mentioned in the 2022 CBCA Book of the Year Notables in the Older Readers category. I hope you enjoy my chat with Marie. Hi Marie, welcome to Totally Lit. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Marie is a successful bidder of a Totally Lit guest spot for the Lismore Flood Recovery Auction. A big shout out to all our listeners in Lismore. We are super happy to contribute to the restoration of your town. Thank you, Marie, for bidding on the Totally Lit episode. It made my day that you wanted to be on the podcast. It was wonderful. And there was a bit of a bidding war at the end. I had to sneak in to get my bid because someone kept outbidding me. It was so exciting. (laughs) I was like, oh, people want to be on. Hooray. But more importantly, people wanted to contribute to Lids, mm-hmm. which um, they've been copying it a lot this year. So um, I'm really happy to be able to donate this episode to support them. And thank you, Marie, for for bidding and wanting to be on. So can you tell me about your book, Dirt Circus League? Okay, yes. Yeah, so it was published by text last year. So it's just over a year old, came out on the 30th of March last year. It's a young adult novel, speculative fiction, so there's a little bit of science fiction, a tiny little bit of fantasy, some paranormal, and generally a lot of weird stuff. I, I tend to like medical science. It's very action-packed. It's been described as a wild ride and not for the faint-hearted, but also really a, a strong girl power book, and, and I put it pretty firmly in the girl power range. So it tells the story of Asa. She's 17 years old, just left high school, leaves Brisbane and goes up to the far north to try and reconnect with her dad, who she's really had very little to do with. That's not really working out for her. And she does make some friends there in this tiny little town I've made up called Dirt Creek. But when she's there, she meets up with or comes across this group called the Dirt Circus League. And they're led by the Enigmatic Quarter, and they're a group of teens who all live together in a, um abandoned resort in the very remote far north up in the Cape. And she ends up joining them and, and thinking what she's going to find is adventure and people who are kindred spirits because they run their own sort of fight club, which she's oh. fighting. She's trained as a fighter herself. Um, so she thinks what she, she's found is kindred spirits, but she ends up landing herself in a whole heap of trouble and really has to discover herself and, and look at the truth in herself and her gifts that she has that she might not necessarily want to use to work out how to both save 
them and herself and get herself out of the situation. Okay, so what inspired you to write Dirt Circus League? Is it something that was in your head for a while or um, were those themes that you wanted to share with your readers? Yeah, so the original idea was I wanted to write a story about a young woman who wanted to reinvent herself. That was the original storyline. So someone who just really wanted to get away from their, their life and start somewhere new where no one really knew her or, you know, she could start afresh. So that was the initial idea. There are lots of bits and pieces that came into it. In terms of the setting, so I lived up in Cairns for around about 12 years mm-hmm. and I was 20 years old when I moved up there. And one of the reasons, I mean, I love the landscape up there, but one of the reasons it really got into my blood was because when I was, I'd only been living there a few months and I was seeing a guy at the time and him and his mate, his mate's girlfriend, we all decided to go up to a music festival, which is up a little town called Helenvale, which is near Cooktown. And back in those days, there was no Bloomfield track, so you had to take something called the Kreb track. Now, the Kreb track still exists, and it's for experienced four-wheel drive only. So only people who really know what they're doing with the four-wheel drive can go up there and only go up there during certain months of the year. Anyway, we're all on our way up to this music festival and we're sort of going up this quite steep hill and uh, I'm in the back with my boyfriend and and the woman in the front she says to the guy who's driving shouldn't you have it in four-wheel drive by now and he says oh no no we'll be right and like soon after that it slips we're going up this hill I'm already going uh (laughs) uh-oh starting to roll backward there's sort of like you know space on one side not a sheer cliff but certainly you would be tumbling down on one side and a safe landing on the other side but just this sensation of going backwards in this car and you've got no control Ah. and you don't know what's going to happen and so anyway the car ended up flipping on its side on the good side so we didn't go tumbling down a hill and I think I've you know, I've got some glass in my, my knee I've still got scars from it now but as a result like we had people help us flip the car back up and everyone wanted to keep going and I said well I'm not getting back in the car with you so I ended up walking some of the hills and because oh no because it's like a four-wheel drive track and really slow going anyway it's not like a car was speeding ahead of me like it's really not going much more than walking pace anyway but I think that just really got the landscape into my blood in like a very visceral way. And so even though that experience isn't in the book itself, that doesn't happen in the book, but it was just something that really has stuck with me and resonated with me for years. And another element that I really wanted to bring into the book is um, the element of neuroscience. So I've always had a bit of a fascination for neuroscience and particularly in the last sort of 15 to 20 years where there's been a lot of work done into how the brain is plastic and and particularly how teenagers' brains change and that sort of thing. So there was that sort of element in it as well. I've always got this bit of a thing with a bit of medical horror. There's a bit of medical horror in it. And that's just because in my life I have to deal with a lot of doctors for various reasons. So 
I like to twist things and add a little bit of horror in that. So, and I've also got this thing about, like, I I have done boxing in my past. I did boxing just, you know, in boxing lessons, like in, in gym class and stuff. I never got into a ring and did boxing, but just I really wanted to have a main character who was very physical and could stand up for herself physically as well as mentally. And so that's why Ace is a fighter. So there was a lot of different bits and pieces that sort of went into creating it. And But, I mean, generally it's just a product of my very, very strange mind. <laughs> it's imagination. That's what it is. <laughs> it's definitely imagination, yes. So how did you come up with your characters for the novel? Is there any of yourself in Asa? There's definitely a lot of me in Asa. Um, you know, like most teenagers, I went through a lot of stuff. Um, everyone as a teenager has their own particular stuff. But I think it, some of the decisions I made in my late teens and early 20s had quite profound implications for the rest of my life. And so I was sort of, I suppose, being attracted to going back and explore in some ways why did I make the decisions I made and how can I make my character make better decisions <laughs> from wisdom of my hindsight. So I was. There's definitely a lot of Acer in me. Um, I don't have the same paranormal abilities she has. She's um, what I call a medical intuitive. Though while she's there, that ability to sort of see what's wrong physically with someone um, expands, so she can actually read memories in objects. So she can identify an illness or an injury in mm -hmm. someone. Yeah, yeah. So that's her, her gift is that she can, and that's been passed down to her mother's uh, line, that she can see an illness or an injury in someone. Can she heal it as well? Or she's never... I'm revealing I haven't read the book yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, she's, and it's not really about that. It's more about how that gift develops. Right. So she's, no, she's never actually chosen it to heal, but she's always tried to avoid it. So this is part of the thing that happens is that when she goes, she's always tried to bury this gift because it's only ever got her into trouble. Like, because when you're a kid, you know, when you're a kid and you just see something and just blurt it out. Mm. So she's done that and people have sort of said, oh, you know, don't say that, don't say that. So, so she's not looking at it as a gift. No. So she's tried to bury it but when she's sort of up. Circus League in this very, very remote area where everything is intensified and like emotions are intensified, the weather is intense, the way they behave and, and like because they're basically a cult, they're a rhythm, which is something that she finds out when she goes up there. Everything is so intense that her gift itself starts to evolve and intensify in response to the things that are going on around her. Um, so, yes, no, I don't have those things, but I, I like to think about all those things. But in terms of, you know, she does have violence within her, and that's another thing that's a theme that's tackled in the book is how if you, I think all of us have some degree of violence within us, but it's about if that's coming out, how do you deal with that and how do you channel that and how do you, what, what does it say about you when that violence comes out and what are you going to do about it? So she's dealing with a lot of those issues as well. So that's it. She is very much part of me. The other main character is Quarter. He's the leader of the Dirt Circus League. 
and he literally just popped out on a page. So the way that I write, I will tend to just write and write and write and write. Like I, I will just see what comes out on the page. And so often I will just follow a story and just sort of see where things go. And he is someone who literally just popped into onto the page and as he was. And so I ended up sort of transplanting him into the novel when I started constructing the novel. Mm. Um, and the other, some of the other minor characters, they're just, well, there's, um, Asa has a mentor called Karen who she meets in Dirt Creek and sort of pops up throughout the novel. She's sort of like, she's really a mentor and a, a, an older friend and an influencer on, on Asa and she's very much based on my best friend. So who I always look as the wise one, even though <laughs> wicked as well. Everybody needs a friend like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I do take bits and pieces out of people I know and some people are just, like I said, Quarter was just fully formed as a character. So there, there's that mix of, basing them on people I actually know and just completely invented characters that have come out of nowhere. And you've picked a beautiful setting, like it's a wonderful part of the country that you've set the book up in Cape York. Mm. Um, and you've got some Indigenous characters as yeah. well. How did you find writing those characters? Um, well, again, it's – I know, like I've been – I know a lot of um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people mainly because I've had them as colleagues and as friends over many, many, many years. Um, so I and I've also worked professionally in an area of looking, you know, working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as well. So I, I again, I just drew on my life experience. So my best friend is um, an Aboriginal woman, Aboriginal South Sea Islander woman. So. It was very easy to write her that character of Karen because so much of my best friend is in there. Um, so I think, I mean, I would never ever write from the perspective mm. of a First Nations person, but there's no way that I could write a book that was set up in Cape York, up in far north Queensland, without having First Nations people very present in the novel. That I mean, I think if you're writing any book set in Australia, the first mm. people have to be present there in some form, but particularly up in that area. Um, so, yeah, in terms of writing my First Nations characters, I just draw on my life experiences and the people I know and and everything that they've taught me over the years. So they've really got a natural presence in the novel. Yes, absolutely. And they've, and they've got a few lessons to teach Asa as well. Oh, fantastic. Now, you've been awarded the Children's Book Council Australia Notable Book Award and the Aurelius Awards for Best Young Adult Novel. How did that feel? Was that oh, well, a I good have feeling? shortlisted in the Aurealis. So that the Aurealis Awards, are, they're announced on the 28th of May, so the end of this month. So... Oh, so we're waiting to find out the result. Waiting to find out the result. Now, the chances of me actually winning the best young adult novel are about 30 billion trillion to one because there's like Garth Nix is in there, uh, C.S. Pascat, uh, like so many other good writers uh, um, have been shortlisted as well. But I was, I was 
like just so over the moon to be shortlisted for the Aurealis Awards. And yeah, so excited. And also the CBCA Notable, that was just completely out of the blue. I don't consider Dirt Circus League to be, like in my mind, it wasn't the sort of novel that would be picked up by awards. I thought except maybe Aurealis. And then when I saw all the um, books that had been submitted to the Aurealis in the young adult fiction, I thought I got no chance. So, yeah, to be shortlisted was just amazing. And also to get that recognition from CBCA, that actually was really important to me as well. Look, I'll be really honest with you, being a debut author, putting out their book in the middle of the pandemic is really, really difficult. Mm. You've so, done it. Yeah. You did it. It's yeah. difficult, but you've accomplished it. Uh, you know, so to get those extra bits of recognition, though, is really, really important and really helpful. So, And it's just good to know that, you know, people can actually see, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people who have already seen Merit in the book, otherwise it wouldn't have been published. But those, that sort of acknowledgement and that recognition is really, really important and just reinforces, particularly when, you know, I did, publish in the middle of the pandemic and that did make things quite tough you know I wasn't able you know I, I did have a book launch but it was all done on zoom and it was just really hard to get around and, and do promotion and stuff like I did a couple of library events one of which ended up having to be online and all those sorts of things um yeah but no getting that recognition is just really fantastic and gave me a very big boost I bet Right. Um, now that brings me to a question about your writing career. When did you start writing and when did you decide you were submitting something to be published? Um, well, I didn't. I'm pretty late to writing, really. I didn't start. I mean, I've been doing bits and pieces, but I didn't really start thinking about writing as a career until in my late um, 30s. So I basically I had a... a career in telecommunications, ended up deciding to leave that and go to uni to study creative writing. Um, so that's when, and was at uni that I did a, um, one of my subjects was on writing for children and young adults. And so that's when I got particularly interested in that. So I've actually been published probably, I did get published sort of soon after I started writing, but I've been writing across a whole heap of different genres. So the, the first type of genre I actually got published in was erotica. Oh, okay. Most writers have had a go at erotica. Um, not, not for me as a full-time thing, but it was certainly interesting to get published for that. Um, I've, I also write horror. So... I had been, in terms of young adult and kids novels, I had been trying to submit those for really the last 20 years and I started writing Dirt Circus League back in 2010 when I started writing my PhD. So Dirt Circus League itself took 10 years from starting to write to getting published. Mm -hmm. um, but I have been published mainly in shorts, mainly short stories, you know, anthologies and magazines and those sorts of things mainly horror sort of stuff, apart from those early, very early stories. Um, yeah, so it's it's been an interesting writing career in that 
I suppose I've dabbled in quite a few different things. A lot of things have worked. I, you know, I'd have so many short stories that have never gone anywhere just because they, you know, they weren't good enough, basically, because learning how to write takes a long time. I know there are some people who write their first novel and it gets published and they're just brilliant. I'm the other type of writer. I'm the type of writer who just doesn't give up. That's it. It's got to be persistence, I it's think. Persistence, you know. I'm no, don't have that much, I don't know, in terms of natural talent. I don't know if I've got any more, any less natural talent than the average person, but what I am is incredibly disciplined and persistent and I don't give up. And I've had lots of little things along the way. So back in 2005, I had a 10,000, I think it's about 10,000 word children's book published as um, through Macmillan Education, so one that just went into schools. I've had a few other, as I said, stories published along the way, both under as Marie Kimberley and as um, Rue Carney for horror, so in different anthologies and things. So, yeah, it's been an up and down sort of career in, in terms of what I've been publishing but I did always, always, always have that main goal of having a young adult novel published by a trade publisher. And so to finally achieve that goal after after 10 years working in that book in particular and after more than 20 years writing was, yeah, was a very good feeling. Wonderful. Um, and how many did you, when you submitted for publishing, did picked up straight away or was it a um, process of, of submitting to a number of publishers? For Dirt Circus League in particular, um, it's sort of an interesting story. So I did have an agent back in 2013, 2012, 2013. I had an agent who picked it up, but she had one particular publisher in mind and they ended up leaving the industry and pursuing a completely different career. So that didn't work. And then that agent herself, she went she um, went to another role, so it was no longer agenting. Um, and so after I finished my PhD, I did more work on Dirt Circus League as a novel and sent it to a few places. And I was getting a few bites, but like people sort of, you know, I'd send the first three chapters and people would say, oh, yeah, I'm interested to see more. But then when I sent the rest of it, they oh, no, I don't really like it. Yeah. But the strange thing that happened or you know, very fortuitous thing that happened was back in 2011 when I was working on ver the very first cup draft of Dirt Circus League, I went to Varuna for a week. And at that point, Varuna was doing this thing where they wanted everyone who visited Varuna to uh, do a three-minute recording of their work in progress. So I did a three-minute re reading from Dirt Circus League and a young woman, you've probably heard of her, called Danielle Binks. Just yes. That at the I time. just pitched to her recently. <laughs> so Danielle heard this back in 2011, and she she loved it. Anyway, fast forward whatever it is, five or five years or so, and I get a message from Danielle saying on Twitter saying, "Hi, I've I'm an agent now." Whatever happened to Dirt Circus League? So we, she remembered you. That's great. She remembered me. She'd never forgotten it. So she uh, anyway, we started emailing each other and talking to each other. And I sent her the current draft, and she said, "Oh, look, I really think you want need to change it." So 
because at that point it was told in third-person perspective from three characters, and she said, I think I really want it to be told from first person from Ace's perspective. And I thought, said, okay, let me have a think about it because if I don't know if anyone else has ever tried this, but it's actually really difficult to change a novel from third-person perspective from three different characters into a first-person narrative. So I had to think about, well, could I do it? And if, and how was I going to do it? So I ended up giving it a go and trying it and and I worked out how it would work. It took a while. I just had to think, a lot of that was just thinking about it in the background rather than sort of getting stuck in saying, oh, I'm going to do this straight away. I had to really think about it. Um, And so anyway, I, I did that and I sent it to Danielle and she said, yep, that's great. Love it. And so she pitched it um, to, you know, different publishers in Australia and it got um, a couple of offers and then I, so I took the offer from text. And that, that's uh, very exciting. But, I'm so, so glad that that happened. Yeah, but I mean it was in – and I suppose this is the thing about being persistent but also in just putting yourself out there in, in every way that you can. And, I mean, I'm the worst networker in the world – like most writers, you know, I, I prefer to sit inside my little cave. But if you can get those opportunities to go and chat to people and talk to people, it, you know, the, Australia is a very quite a small writing community and it is reasonably easy to make connections if you just sort of reach out to one person and that person knows another person and that sort of thing. But again, you know, it was just a little, a, a lot of luck in some ways in terms of, Danielle having heard that few minute recording that I did back in 2011 and remembering it and deciding to contact me so yeah okay so now I've got a few quick fire questions for you which just let our listeners learn a little bit more about you um did you have a favorite book growing up you yes and no so it was National Velvet the book National Velvet and the reason it was my favourite, it's sort of a strange story. I was only six years old. My friend at school got a golden book copy of National Velvet. I don't know if you know golden books. They were those little kids. Yeah, yeah. And so I said to my grandma, oh, I really want that book National Velvet. And she got me the actual novel. Oh, a bit different from the golden book. Different from the golden book. But <laughs> being the determined little six-year-old I was, I read it. So... <laughs> and it's actually, I look at it now because I've still got that book and I think, how did I read that as a six-year-old? But I did. Um, so I suppose that's my favourite just because it was like the first, it was an actual novel, so like a, a grown-up book that I read when I was really a little kid. It's amazing what you can do when you put your mind to it. <laughs> I don't know how much of it I actually understood, but I I read it. So, yeah. Now, if you could go back to the beginning of your writing career, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, don't be so impatient and don't send things out before they're ready. <laughs> That's a good tip. I'm mm. very guilty of that one. Mm. And it's... And I do... And I still do it now, but uh, to some degree with my short stories, I've I keep it like if, if a short story gets rejected, I always look at it again and I'll always change it until it ends up getting accepted. But with novels, I've made the mistake. I like there was one 
very big lesson I learned. I did a, my master's before I did my PhD. I did my master's, and we had a publisher who came and saw the group of us. There were six of us doing the masters, and she said, "I want to see all your manuscripts." So how often do you get that a publisher who yeah. actually says, "Send me your manuscripts when you're done." And um, she did publish one of the manuscripts. So someone from our group, they did get published by her. Um, but I sent mine and she rejected it. And I just, I was devastated because, A, stupidly, I hadn't actually taken time to reflect and think about was this really the best I could do or where could I improve it? And, B, I'd sort of assumed that she would take it, which was a really, really dumb thing to do. Yeah, so don't be impatient. Make sure your work is ready. Okay. Do you have a book on your bedside table that you're reading at the moment? Um, I usually have a whole heap. I've just just finished one last night called Gabriel's Gift, but I've also in the last few days I just I had to have some days off last week just because I was recuperating from something, and so in the last week I've read. Um, Trent Jemison's The Stone Road, which is brilliant. Do you know, I don't know if you know Trent. He's just one of my favourites. I was lucky to meet him recently at, I think it was Comic-Con. Yeah, so one of my favourite writers. Absolutely loved that. Um, I've also just finished Born Into This. Sorry, I'm just turning around. Adam Thompson, which is... um, some short stories. He's a First Nations guy from Tasmania. Some wickedly, wickedly funny stories in that that I really loved. Um, and just for something completely different, I read Warren Ward's Lovers of Philosophy also last week. And last but not least, I read um, another text author, uh, Mark Smith his latest book, If Not Us. So that probably shows you the wide and varied range of reading that I do. Sounds like you're a voracious reader. No wonder you read uh, National Velvet at six. I'm not always that voracious, but like I said, I had to have some time off work last week to recuperate from something. The only thing I could do was read, and so I read. Now, if you could invite five writers to dinner, who would they be? Oh, I knew you were going to ask this question. I've been thinking about it and I can, can't make any decisions. So I'm just going to... So definitely Margaret Atwood. Oh, definitely yes. Um, Catherine Dunn, who wrote one of my favourite books of all time called Geek Love. Um, she's an American writer. She's she's deceased now. But she and she didn't write a lot of fiction she mainly wrote um, non-fiction she also wrote a lot about boxing but I don't know if you've ever read Geek Love no it sounds like my kind of book though (laughs) it's not actually about geeks it's not about the kind of geeks that we think about as geeks now oh okay it's completely bizarre and absolutely amazing um but it's very very weird very very weird and she actually changed the way that I thought about writing. So it was one of those books. Um, I'm Googling it as we speak. Yeah, it's just incredible. Um, Melissa, Melissa Lukashenko, just because mm. she, I, I love her writing. She's also very wickedly funny. There's a theme amongst all these, they're very, uh, they're, they're feminists and they're very funny. 
Um, so I really love all her writing and also the fact that she writes across young adult and adult fiction as well. So she can write so much different sort of stuff. Um, now that's where I sort of come to the other ones. Who do I pick for the rest? And it's very, very tricky. But I'm going to go with a couple of left field ones. So there's a woman, and I only heard of her recently called Charmian Clift, mm-hmm. who was married to the writer George Johnston. So both Australian and in the 19, I think it was late 1950s, early 1960s. Um, they both went over and lived on a Greek island to write. And she's written these books. They've just recently been um, republished. Um, and they're basically, they're, they're about living on the Greek islands, basically, and raising kids and all this sort of stuff. Really, really interesting and very just very ahead of her time in terms of what she was writing. So I think she'd be really interesting to have. And that leaves the fifth person, which again is very, very tricky. But I'm going to actually, I'm going to throw in a bloke, and I'm going to put in Kurt Vonnegut because Kurt Vonnegut is just again a writer that's influenced me a lot. Like I started reading him as a teenager. He's, I was a bit concerned that he might be outnumbered, but he may be able to hold his own. <laughs> well, look. I... I think he might be able to hold his own, and I think he would be in very good company with with all those women. So, yeah. Do you have any advice for other authors who are looking to write books in your genre? Um, Well, in terms of young adult, so I'd I'd say more young adults, not really a genre so much as a readership. So I'd say in terms of speculative fiction, is I'd, I'd choose that as my genre. I think it's, you've just got to read broadly in your own genre to sort of know what works and what doesn't. So I suppose in terms of genre writing, that would be it, but also get to know different people in the genre writing community. Um, we had GenreCon in Brisbane at the start of this year, which happens every two years, but I think it's happening again next year. Yeah, I think it's yearly. Yeah, it's going to be yearly now. Um, and that's a great place to sort of talk to people who, who um, read it right across speculative fiction. So I think get to know people who write in your own genre and get to know more about your genre, but also don't be afraid to stick in a specific genre lane. So I think there's a lot more tolerance now for something like Dirt Circus League that's got a little bit of science fiction, a little bit of horror, but it's just more a generally speculative fiction rather than sort of sticking to to one particular type of genre. I did see um, Dirt Circus League described as genre bending. um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's more of that sort of stuff coming out now where you don't have to necessarily stick to one genre. Though I must say, I think... um, it does have a little bit of fantasy in it, but someone who's looking for straight fantasy would probably find it not to their liking necessarily um, if they're really into straight fantasy. And that probably makes sense because I'm not into straight fantasy and I don't tend to read it. So, But it, it does tend to mix the other elements of fiction. 
Okay, and just one last question. Uh, what's next for Marie Kimberley? So I've got, I've just finished another manuscript and it's with my agent at the moment. So she's looking at pitching that. Um, <clears throat> so again, that's in a similar style in terms of it, it mixes genres a little bit. It's probably, it's probably a bit more in the urban fantasy sort of realm. So it probably sticks a little bit more in that lane. But again, it's got a very strong um, female character told in her first person narrative. And she's someone who's dealing with a whole heap of things, including grief, um, trying to reform her family, working really hard, trying to create new friendships when she's sort of come from you know, some, some difficult circumstances to a degree. And also she's got a thing for wrestling. Oh, okay. Mm. So there is a, a real uh, physical theme in your books. Yeah, yeah, yes. Definite, definitely a physical theme I like. I like to mess with medicine and science and physicality. And it helps. I love action books. I love, you know, there's a lot of action and fast-paced adventure going on in my in my books. So those sort of things really appeal to me. So they tend to come out in my writing, yep. Girl power. Yeah, absolutely, yep. Girl, just giving it to anyone who needs to be got, basically. <laughs> Now, if um, people wanted to find you, um, do you have a website to share with our listeners? Yes, um, I do have a website. It's just mariekimberley.com.au and I'm also on Instagram at Kimberley. so that's probably the best. I do have a Twitter account, but I tend not to use it. Um, but if you want to have a look at my website, that's got a bit of information about Dirt Circus League. There's also, I haven't any blog posts up on it for quite a while but there is some information about the background of Dirt Circus League and how I came to write it and some of the topics associated with it um, but yeah if you want to follow me at, on Instagram at, at Reed Kimberley that would be fantastic as well I've already you know I tend to be followed by and follow quite a few writers and I find it just a really lovely supportive environment on Instagram where all the writers whenever someone does something we all congratulate each other and give each other lots of claps and everything and I, I just love that environment on Instagram so that's really nice I'm already following I just double checked so there you go <laughs> excellent I think I'm already following you too yeah. well thank you so much for uh, sharing Dirt Circus League with us today Marie and thank you for um, supporting the Lismore flood recovery as well no problem thanks for chatting it's been wonderful Writing stories for children can seem like a very simple task, but there is a skill involved in bringing memorable characters and their worlds to life. Anyone can write a picture book, but not everyone can write a picture book that becomes a child's favourite bedtime story. The best children's picture books fire up their imaginations, evoke emotion, and stay within their memories forever. Authors Online was created to provide aspiring authors the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to become a published children's book author. Our extensive industry knowledge will be shared with you and provide you with the basic principles behind writing for children, picture book publishing guidelines, and updates on the current market and publishing environment. And as a special offer for Totally Lit listeners, if you go to authorsonline.com.au, you can apply the discount code of LIT20, that's L-I-T-2-0, 
to access discount content at authorsonline.com.au. Hi, Zanny. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kai. Nice to be here. I've just had a wonderful chat with Marie Kimberly, who um, bid on a spot for um, a guest spot on Totally Lit um, to support the Lismore Flood Recovery Auction. Um, and you are the mastermind behind that auction, so I thought it'd be great to have a chat. Um, did you want to tell me a little bit about um, how the auction came about? Yeah, sure. So as most people would know, there were pretty devastating floods in and around the Lismore and north coast of New South Wales region. So 28th of February, um, that all kicked off. And I was actually uh, meant to be away at a writer's retreat with um, four other writers that had been booked nearly a year in advance and was something we'd all been saving and looking forward to for a long time. And after a day of, well, half the writers not being able to come to the state, obviously, because of the weather, um, and we turned around and came back home. And where I live in Alstonville, which is about 20 minutes from Lismore, watching sort of in horror, really, what was going on, realising I was one of the only people who had internet and phone reception. Uh, around All of the regions around us lost uh, connection to the internet and phone. So it was a very weird time. It did really feel um, apocalyptic and a bit terrifying. <laughs> um, and we couldn't get access to food or fuel and things like that, all those normal things we tend to take for granted. And I know that uh, Emily Gale and Nova Wheatman organised a very successful auction around the bushfires, uh, drawing from the uh, literature community in Australia. And I just thought, well, look, I have access to a very vibrant children's book community through my Facebook group, um, Sunshine House Writers and Creatives. I know those guys are really active and caring. Uh, and I just thought, what if I just contact a few of my friends and see if they would like to donate something that we could auction and raise a little bit of money for Lismore. Uh, and that's where it began. So I just started it a couple of days after the flood set off. And within in, uh, I, I probably contacted just a handful of people, really, my direct writers group, a couple of other people. And within days, I just had a flood of inquiries from people like yourself, uh, but people from the literature community just getting in touch with me saying, how can I help? What can I donate? Uh, please tell me how. And at some point after about a week, uh, every two hours I was receiving about 25 emails <laughs> from authors, mainly in Australia, creatives in Australia, but from also around the world. Sarah Winman contacted me from England. She's one of my favourite writers of all time. And we had Trent Dalton and Andy Griffith and all these incredible people just stepping up and offering things like original artworks, uh, artworks from picture books um, or a whole set of books or, you know, uh, I, and then the publishers got involved too. So they started contacting me and saying, ah, oh, we can donate you know, a full set of books from um, the last year. Uh, we can donate uh, assessments, manuscript assessments and things like that. 
and people were bidding on things like crazy as well and making donations. So it just spread really quickly. Um, from within a month, we raised nearly $60,000. So it really took my breath away, really. It really took off. And I know when I was looking at the auction items and um, considering things to bid on, I was like, I don't know where to begin. There's so many wonderful donations here. Um, and I even got to the point where I'd bid on too many things. And I was like, oh, slow down. <laughs> you're you're going to overcommit yourself. And what ended up happening is I was pipped at the post for everything I bid on at the last minute. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I've missed yeah. out. Um, it so was I a was frenzy. <laughs> very happy that I was able to contribute an item to the auction um, and help in some way. And I had planned to be able to um, yeah, bid on some items and donate that way. Um, are, are people still able to donate? to you if they would like to make a monetary donation? Well, probably not. Um, we've finalised all the numbers and it's been a lot of work, largely for my very good friend, or we've become very good friends through this process, um, and a huge support, Maggie Hutchings, who lives down in Yamba, and she put her hand up to help me. And she is a spreadsheet fiend. Uh, <laughs> so she, <laughs> she was creating really epic spreadsheets and keeping everything up to date when money was coming in. So... Uh, yeah, I don't, donations have closed, but if people would like to make a donation, you can contact, um, well, you can contact me or the Lismore Library, um, if you would like to. They have a gift account set up so people can make monetary donations. Great. And, and what has been the response from the Lismore community to the auction? <laughs> Look, I think everyone's just in a complete state of trauma still and uh, there is just people are baffled, mystified and not really knowing how to move forward. So it's it's a very sad state of affairs. So um, we have I've contacted um, the library to let them know about the donation and let them ask them how I can transfer the money uh, and they, of course, were very appreciative. Um, Part of the money is going to go to the Lismore Regional Gallery and they also were very appreciative. Uh, so they're probably not looking to reopen till mid next year at best. Uh, so any amount of money is a huge, uh, yeah, very welcome. Um, and the other remaining part of the money will go to schools and preschools who lost their books in the floods. Uh, and that will be coordinated by the bio. And writers festival who zoe pollock who's a writer uh, she's a director there she's been really proactive alongside sarah armstrong mm. gathering uh information about which schools need which books and making a really comprehensive list um and finding out where the gaps are so the our money will be used to fill those gaps and make sure every school and preschool gets access to brand new books uh, and that many of those will be supplied by the book room collective in Byron and Lennox so it's just been yeah a wonderful sort of coordination of efforts and your money could go everywhere you know there's mm. so many people in need right now but we focused our attention on the uh, arts and cultural particularly the bookish stuff knowing that most of our donors were book people so yeah and also kids focused I guess. So I guess it's important to highlight that Lismore has been badly affected by the floods and is still working through that process of rebuilding and they still need help. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, they're, they're like, there's so much help. You know, you, you drive, you drive in now and it's, yeah. I mean, most buildings are still in disrepair and can't be used. Um, so, and there's a lot of displaced people and all of that voluntary work's still happening sort of day to day. So just because the news has moved on after the first couple of weeks, uh, Lismore certainly hasn't and, it's not just Lismore. There's there's many communities around um, who are affected, like uh, Woodburn and Korokai and heaps of small towns who are just yeah suffering no end. So, you know, you can contact the Red Cross. Um, there are lots of voluntary organisations. I think Resilience Lismore. Uh, you can contact them to find out how you can help. So yeah, there's lot, still lots of um, ways you can contribute. Great. And I'll pop a, a few of those uh, organisations in the show notes. So if people do want to um, help in some way, they can uh, look those up and contribute. I know that I I live here in Brisbane and we've had a couple of days of rain again. Um, and it's just sort of like this year it feels like it's never ending. It's sort of like, oh, the, mm. are we going to have more floods? Is, is this year just going to be yeah overwhelming for us all so um i think it's been i i've felt happy to contribute to something where um there's there's need now you've been able to do this through the um because you've built a community through the sunshine house writers and creatives so that's a, a community that you've built through um other authors did you want to tell us a little bit about that community yeah sure so i mean it's i've had that facebook group for a little while um mainly because i teach a lot of writing classes and courses um and i needed a place to send my students after the course um so yeah and at some point in the last year really that group really took off uh and i was being much more active with it but participants were really being active and we have uh, the focus of the the group is to share and support and inspire. Um, and I've never had a bad word pass through that group. Uh, it's just very lovely people or children's literature people, uh, whether they're authors or illustrators. Many are aspiring, many are already published. And I just, yeah, I put up a few posts a week. So we'll have a Wednesday post, which is about, you know, what's helping your creativity. So people share their tips of the week, things that are helping them, whether it's gardening, going for a walk, whatever it is. Um, maybe it's a podcast they listen to. Um, and then on Friday, we have a little bit of a celebratory post, which is called Fabulous Friday, where you can share your kind of favorite moment of the week and it's something to do with your creative process. And those little celebrations might be about something big or small. So they might be as small as, you know, cracking a word count on your manuscript, or maybe it's a really big thing like receiving your first book contract. So, I just think it's nice because people really get to celebrate in each other's success. And, you know, I know um, how great it is to share your little wins. Uh, 
and over the years I've shared them on social media. So I guess it's just a one-stop shop for everyone sharing their little wins and celebrating each other um, in a really sweet way. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a great feel to it, I think. It's a great community and, you know, people really reach out and support each other. So uh, community to me is everything. Uh, yeah. It's a, And this year has taught me that especially. It's, it's one of the things I value more than anything. Uh, so that little group is, yeah, just a very special place for me to hang out um, and I get the feeling it's, it is for other people as well. It's got such a positive vibe. I've joined your group this year and, it, yeah, it's really just a nice, bright place to, it is. to share. Um, yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, yeah. And this year yeah. you've also kicked off a podcast, the Sunshine House podcast. <laughs> Did you want to tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so um, again, I mean, most of my <laughs> adventures are very unplanned. Um, I roll into things without a lot of sort of pre-planning. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I've had a friend, Kia, who's been telling me for years to start a podcast. <laughs> um, I think cause I like talking to people. We like listening to podcasts. So we, I love listening to podcasts of, with other writers. Um, and so... Uh, but it's just one of those things I thought, oh gosh, I, I shouldn't take on another thing. Uh, knowing, <laughs> knowing how much work it will be and knowing how much things I already do. So yeah, but I started doing the sunshine chats in my little house, in my little sunshine house. Um, actually it began before that because last year, Anna Pinataro and I launched a online course, which is teaching writers and illustrators um, about picture books so it's kind of uh, for authors and illustrators at the same time which is quite nice and quite unusual I think and in that course I began interviewing uh, published authors and illustrators and editors and those little interviews are included in the course material and they were such good conversations I just thought oh it'd be so good if these went beyond the course really because they're some of these people have never been interviewed before <laughs> and they only agreed really? to do it yeah because they're wow. a friend or or something or they trust me or whatever it is and you know some hearings from some of the most celebrated authors and illustrators and hearing these incredible bits of insight and feeling so inspired myself so yeah so I, I reached out to some of those people not not all of them yet um, but some of those people I've reached out to them to do another version of that for our Sunshine House community as a little video and then using the audio of that as well now I've got the interview um, I thought well may as well turn it into a podcast as well um, so anyway and I've got a virtual assistant Jen who is the only reason I'm able to do this at the moment um, so she she helps me put it all together and produce it and everything I always joke that I need help with a, a virtual <laughs> assistant I may may I'm at the point where I may have to <laughs> It's, it's, it's really good. I mean, for me, it's just I do lots of different things. And I think, you know, lots of people in our industry do. It's sort of part, it comes a bit with the territory. Um, yeah, it's not just being a creative writer. It's about being a creative person, I think. And I'm constantly sort of thinking of new things I can do. Um, but the trouble is I do end up having way too many balls in the air. So uh, yeah, I, I, I reached out to Jen just to get a little bit of help 
I guess, yeah, compartmentalizing my brain space a little bit mm-hmm. so I can outsource some things when I need to. And yeah, just, I just think I need to do that for my writing as much as anything. So I do make space in my week to write. Otherwise there's a temptation just to <laughs> try yes. and do everything, which yeah. isn't, isn't clever. Yeah. There's got to be time for the writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, it's often the last thing we ever get around to, but. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Sunny, for joining me today. And, um, yeah, I was in awe with the results of your auction. <laughs> I, I really think that's going to make a big impact for the community. And also just a big shout-out to Maggie, your help for her as well. Yeah, Maggie was incredible. Look, she put in many, many more hours, really, than I did, which is saying a lot. Um, so she's she was just relentless with her love and commitment for the project and, yeah, really helped me. So I could not have have done it without her um, at all so very grateful to Maggie and that's uh, people like yourself and Maggie are what we need in our communities to um, to give back in times of need you know so mm. yeah mm. well done to both of you thank you amazing thanks for having me bye yeah. not a problem it's lovely to chat to you and get to know you better <laughs> you too thank you Totally Lit is an independent podcast. You can help support us to continue to chat with wonderful Australian creatives by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our socials with your friends. You can also make a contribution at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash totally lit. For those of you who know me, I'm a kind of a caffeine addict, so you can keep me fueled with caffeine and this will also help with equipment and podcasting platform fees, etc. I love to interact with our listeners, so feel free to say hello either by email or social media. You can email me at totallylitpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Facebook under Totally Lit Podcast. I've recently created a group on Facebook called Totally Lit Writing Community. It's a space to continue the conversation and share your writing successes, events, launches and latest projects. Jump onto the group and say hello. Thank you for listening to Totally Lit and don't forget to go out into the world to read, write, create, ignite. Ignite.